Welcome to Palms Church. I'm Brandon Shank. I'm the lead pastor here, and I wanted to take a minute and thank you for being with us today. Hey, if you're new, text the words Palms Connect to 97000. I'm believing with you for God to do great things today. What a, uh, a declaration. What a declaration for New Year's. What a declaration for this new, uh, you say year, but really I feel like every New Year's kind of sends us on a trajectory for many years to come. You know, I feel like New Year's is kind of one of those things where you start somewhere um, and by the middle of January, it's not anywhere close to where you think you would start. But I think that the goal and the key would be what the song says, let me make room for you. You can do whatever you want, but I got to make some room here. I mean, what a, what a, uh, regardless of what your 2023 is going to look like, what a beautiful picture of the, the application of how do I, how do I be for God in 2023 in a way I never have thought of? It's simple. We got to make room, right? So it's just a beautiful picture of who God is and a beautiful declaration. I want to take a minute. I just want to pause. I just want to pause and pray. I just want to ask the Lord to help us in that. God, how, how, can you, how, how can we as a people just force ourselves into a submission, a place of pause and say, hey, God, I, I realize that I've got a lot of dreams and a lot of hopes and a lot of things that I want to do, but how can I get to a place where I just want to make room for you? It's not about a schedule or a calendar. It's about my heart. Lord, we come to you right now. And Father, I just ask right now collectively over Palms Church and over anybody, whether or not, wherever they are, I just pray right now, God, that we can make room for you in our life. It's not about a schedule. It's not about getting up early or going to bed later. This is about in our heart, just saying, God, I need to make room for your voice. I need to make room for the conviction of the Holy Spirit that's meant to guide and direct me, meant to lead me into a place that only it can. I, I pray right now in Jesus' name for an overwhelming sense of your spirit in every home, every vehicle, and every on every phone that's being held or iPad that's being washed. I pray right now as this word is going out to all the world that, Father, that people would sense the presence of God, knowing that the room that is made for you will change everything. It's not just about a, a, a year. God, it's about a life. God, we celebrate today because we just had Christmas. We can celebrate on New Year's because of what you did for us on Christmas, because we have a Savior who was born to the world that died and resurrected. And today we say we want to make room in our lives for that King. We surrender it. Can we just sing that one more time? Just a, as a way to, before we go into the word, before we go into this message that the Lord has placed on my heart, can we just continually pre prepare our hearts for one more moment? Can we just sing this? Being open to, open to what God is speaking. Listen, we want to be open to the word that he has. Yes, God. We declare right now, we surrender to you, to your will. Yes, God. Whatever you want to Praise you, God To do whatever you want to 
more time. And I will make room for you. We love you, God. To do whatever you want to. To do whatever you want to. And I will make room for you. Praise you, God. To do whatever you want to. To do whatever you want to. Lord, we surrender. We thank you for your goodness and your mercy and your grace and your faithfulness. And we choose today. We choose today to make room. And everybody said, amen. Come on. Lord, we love you. Come on, wherever you're at. Make a joyful noise. Let your kids hear it. Let your neighbors hear it. Come on, it's 2023. I know some of y'all are watching this and it's Tuesday because you slept in. And I know some of y'all are watching this and you are got your coffee, your bucket of coffee trying to wake up. In Jesus' name. I know y'all were up late with Ryan Seacrest and Dick Clark's Rock and Eve. But uh, we're here live, baby. No, we're excited. We're excited about all that God is doing in your life. Excited about this year. I know that in 2023, you've probably already begun to make your list of all the things you're going to do different. And listen, you can't take the first off. Like, this is the first day. This is reckoning right now. So, if, if, hey, that physical fitness, you said, this is what I'm going to do. After this, you need to get out into that garage or wherever you're at, right? If, if, you're, if, if today's all about the, uh, the no sugar, hey, party's over. The party is officially over. It is time. Uh, no, you don't have to be that crazy with it, but I know that everybody is uh, locked into what, what you want to do here in the next uh, year of your life. And uh, as we come into to this phase of Palms, I could not be more excited than I am um, for 2023. The next couple of weeks, uh, next week, we're going to start a new series. Uh, and today I have kind of something to set the, the table for what that's going to be. Uh, also, every week uh, this month, we'll be doing Wednesday night live. So we're going to be praying on Wednesday nights. First, we believe God to do incredible things as we prepare on uh, February the 5th. We'll be launching into Green Run High School, um, this campus. And until then, we're right here. And I know this month is going to be a build month. The Lord has been very clear. We're going to build, 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 build our teams. We're going to continue to build the DNA and the culture of what we're doing here at Palms Church. And uh, excited about that. Excited about what he's doing in you, um, because I know what he does at Palms is an overflow of what he's doing in the lives of the individual's so I'm looking forward to that. Um, you know, there's a, we have core values here at Palms Church. And uh, one of the, the core values is it's not about us. And that's actually the title of today's message, because I think in the beginning of the year, we say, man, I have all these things I want to do. And it really becomes very introverted. I, I want to do all these things based on my passions and based on the way I want to look and the based on the way I want to be perceived. And those aren't bad things. But when you step back and you realize that there is a spiritual uh, element to this and what that looks like. I don't think there's anything wrong with saying, man, I want to do better. I want to be better. I want to do more. I want to be more effective than I was. Uh, but there's a piece to that that we're going to have to understand um, that I hope is an encouragement to you today to know that the stuff you've walked through in your life, um, it's as dark as it could have been or as crazy as it could have been. God has something. And even in those things, I hope that today, by the end of this message, you're even able to see maybe some light in some dark places that have just seemed to be almost haunting uh, or almost never ending. Uh, I know that um, beginning in 2021, Casey and I had just moved into a new home and uh, they were still in all of the COVID phases where if you had any kind of contact, there was a certain amount of time that you couldn't be around people. And we had just moved into our new home and we had somebody that was in close contact with us that tested positive for COVID. And so we had two weeks worth of quarantine. And at the time, moving into your brand new home and you have two weeks to do whatever you need to do, 
you felt like a little bit of a gift. I mean, we had not met physically yet. We were online for a full year, so we were getting ready to meet in March of that year. So it was January, so like, okay, this ain't bad. And then uh, we, were, we had one week where we came out of quarantine, and then we got in contact with somebody else who had COVID, and so we were back in quarantine for another two weeks. And so four out of five weeks, we found ourselves in quarantine. And how many of y'all know that too much of a good thing cannot be, could be a bad thing, right? And so I was like, man, you got to get me out of here. Four out of the last five weeks, I don't want to be here. I don't want this house. I don't want my children, my wife. I don't want to be around me. I just need to know that the sun shines on another road than this one. Um, and so there were, it, was, it, was, it was two testing weeks. But do you ever feel like too much of a good thing can become suffering? Uh, I think that we can say that lightly, but I also think that we don't really understand the word suffering. We don't really understand suffering until we suffer. You know, you, you, you think you understand the concept of a word and you understand the pain associated with it, but this isn't about the poor and broke prophet that gets to the gates of heaven and uh, gets there and has the, the last piece of clothing that he or she owns and his hands open to the Lord, scraped up and beat up and bent up saying, I came to heaven completely broke. No, um, this is about the cost and understanding of what it really means to follow Jesus. They're two very different things. You know, I think there's a, a thought sometimes for Christians that the more I suffer, the closer I am to God, but it's almost meant in a way of the less I have, the more God honors me, right? There's that mindset that's not necessarily healthy, but then there's that place of, as a Christian, it doesn't, it, suffering has really nothing to do with how much you have or what societal bracket you're in with your income it has everything to do with your heart position and whether you really understand what it means to follow Jesus. Um, and I want to read a text to you today out of First Peter, uh, but you got to understand the context to this text. First, and First Peter is written by Peter, and he's writing to the Christians who were being persecuted. And what Peter is trying to communicate to them is, listen, this thing is hard, and it's not going to get any easier, but you have to see your situation different because the situations will not change. And it's interesting, Peter's writing to the church from Rome. And so this is where he would eventually be executed. And this is in the time period. And so Peter's writing this letter, not as somebody just believing that God's gonna set me free. And Peter's writing this letter with the understanding that he will one day be a martyr for the church. He will one day be a martyr for the Lord. He's writing this letter knowing that the persecution and the suffering is a part of the cost. He's writing this letter with an understanding. And he's writing to Christians who were beaten, imprisoned, tortured, murdered. And imagine you receiving a letter from this amazing apostle that you looked to that helped build the church. But after you receive the letter, you're thinking about your cousins, your children, your best friends. You're thinking about the way the government came in and tore apart your offices and took every Christian out. This is the life that these people lived. The government was going in and ripping people out of Bible studies and families were being persecuted. And so your mother and your father or your brother or your sister or your own kids didn't want you around if you believed in Jesus. Because if you believe Jesus was the son of God, you were saying that the Messiah was here and that the Jews killed him. So even there was, there was Jews, devout Jews that didn't believe in the Messiah and still don't believe in the Messiah. There was family members. There was people of the Roman government. They were persecuted from every direction. They were being looked at. They were being slaughtered. They were being martyred because of their faith. That's the feel of the environment that Peter's writing to. And he's writing knowing that these people are going to read this letter and a lot of them will not die of natural causes. It kind of puts a heavy mood on the entire script. Puts a really heavy mood on the entire script. And so in 1 Peter chapter 2, Verse 11, it says, dear friends, I warn you as 
temporary residents and foreigners to keep away from the worldly desires that wage war against your very souls. Be careful to live properly among your unbelieving neighbors. They even, that even, then even if they accuse you of doing wrong, they will see your honorable behavior and they will give honor to God when he judges the world. For the Lord's sake, submit to all human authority. That was hard, right? And then it says, whether the king as the head of state or the officials that he has appointed, for the king has sent them to punish those who do wrong and to honor those who do right. It's God's will that your honorable lives should silence those ignorant people who make foolish accusations against you. So Peter is saying, if you don't like the government, if you don't like the things around you, if you don't like authority, you silence it by the way you live for God. Not by your poster boards and your posts on Facebook or Instagram or your TikTok videos. You silence by the way you live for Jesus. That's pretty big contrast, right? To a lot of self-proclaiming Christians to say, hey, this is what we are. And I'm not saying they're not, but this is what it's saying. It's, it's a very different approach. And then it says, for you are free, yet you are God's slaves. So do not use your freedom as an excuse to do evil. Respect everyone and love the family of believers. Fear God and respect the king. You who are slaves much must submit to your masters with all respect. He's talking to people who are slaves. And he says, do what they tell you. Not only if they are kind and reasonable, but even if they are cruel. For God is pleased when conscious of his will... You patiently endure unjust treatment. I don't know about y'all, but I'm ready to be done reading. I don't want to endure unjust treatment. How many of us are like, I'm going to get mine. You ain't going to talk to me like that, right? Uh, you're not going to treat me like that. I'm not going to let somebody take me like that. This is a conspiracy, right? You've heard all of it. This is what the Bible is teaching us. And then he goes on. He says, of course, you get no credit for being patient if you are beaten for doing wrong, saying if you steal something, you get in trouble for stealing. You're not getting righteous credit for that. He says, but if you suffer for doing good and endure it patiently, God is pleased with you. For God called you to do good, even if it means suffering, just as Christ suffered for you. He is your example and you must follow in his steps. He never sinned and he never deceived anyone. He did not retaliate when he was insulted or threaten revenge when he suffered. He left his case in the hands of God. He left his case in the hands of God. He left his case in the hands of God. How much less would we worry and how much less would we have a chip on our shoulder if we left our case in the hands of God who always judges fairly. He personally carried our sins in his body on the cross so that we can be dead to sin and live for what is right. By his wounds, you are healed. Once you were like sheep who wandered away, but now you have turned to your shepherd, the guardian of your souls. You have to realize suffering comes in many forms. Suffering comes in the form of abuse. Suffering comes in the form of anxiety. Suffering comes in the form of depression. Suffering comes in the, uh, in the form of bullying. And suffering comes quietly. We can choose to experience suffering or we can choose to tolerate suffering. suffering. But when we live as strangers, we won't want to make this world our home. And that's the first step saying this isn't your destination that you need to be uh, making a permanent place. What happens is we get comfortable and we want to make this place our home. We say, well, I just want to enjoy things. I want to enjoy family. There's nothing wrong with enjoying things. But if you get this concept, God is saying, I can give you a million times more than what you got there while you're living. And then you'll be with me for eternity. 
He's trying to paint a picture of what it actually looks like. And there's a reality that we need to face because we oftentimes try to paint a picture of Christianity as an alternative lifestyle, but it's not an alternative lifestyle. Christianity is going to cost you something. Following Jesus is costly. There's no way around it. It's the way that it is. It's what the Bible teaches us. It is easier to live life and not follow God. It's easier to live life and to do what you want. It's easier to live life. And instead of going to counseling, you get inebriated with alcohol. It's easier to live life. And instead of going to counseling, you can get high on drugs. There are a lot of people who will never face their fears. They will never face the darkness in their life. They will never face the turmoil and the hurt and the pain because for them, it is easier to inebriate their pain than to approach the pain. And so they don't ask the Holy Spirit, what are all those things in our life? All of those things are medicators for the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the real deal. It's the real thing. And so we do things in our life to try to inebriate so that we don't have to face what we need to face. And we, won't, we don't want to go through the suffering. And so we avoid it. And we wonder why as we get older, nothing changes and life is as stale as it was at the beginning because nothing has changed because we don't really understand the cost of following Jesus. It doesn't mean you can't go to heaven if you don't suffer. What it means is God doesn't intend for you to live a life of suffering with self-medication. He wants to do something in your life that only he can do. Think about this. Following Jesus is expensive. You got to tithe, right? It's in the Bible saying, give to me things that I've given to you. Now you might think that way, but the reverse is when you give to God, you'd be amazed at what you get. And that's not a, uh, that's not a, a thing to say, give this, we give this. It's saying when, God, when you give to God, what he overflows your life with, you could never make in your lifetime. I promise you, it's the way that it works. It's a kingdom principle that'll work over and over and over and over again. Giving to God is also, or, or following Jesus is also exhausting. There's time, there's effort, there's energy, there's prayer, there's emotional wandering sometimes where you know that only God can lead you somewhere. And following God, it's extra pressure. You have to live according to something. It's abstaining from sinful desires. We think of that as, well, I want my freedom. Abstaining from sinful things is your testimony. That's the power of God. That's the ability of God to do something different. We pray so hard. We pray so hard and so long and so deep for people we know to come to Jesus. But your life is the testimony to bring them to Jesus. And so we pray that God would just speak to them. Oh, my sister, I just pray that she would find Jesus. Or, oh, my cousin, I pray that they would. Or, oh, my neighbor, I just wish they would. Well, your life is that testimony. Is that not, and that's saying that is, that is on us to be Jesus. Now, don't think that, well, if they come to church, I did that. No, no. If they go to church, it's not on you. If they don't go to church, it's not on you. But your testimony is the way you abstain from this, the sinful things of this world and walk upright and righteous in front of God. Following Jesus costs something. It's powerful. It, it, you get to spend eternity with the creator and your life on this side of heaven is a million times better than it ever would be. First Peter 4.12, jumping ahead a couple of chapters. He gives us a little bit of an idea. He says, dear friends, don't be surprised at the fiery trials you're going through. Everybody say fiery. fiery. Now say trials. Fiery. It will happen. Say it will happen. It will happen. Say yes, sir. Yes, sir. Say yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. Say it's going to happen. Gonna happen. Fiery. Trials, they're going to happen. We got to know this. The Bible says, don't be surprised at the fiery trials you are going through as if something strange were happening to you. Fiery means burning. It means this insatiable suffering. It means overwhelming intensity. He's not saying you're going through a tough time. He's saying this is a life or death situation. It's a fiery, overwhelming trial The word trial means life altering. It means something that is a life changing experience. So he's saying, don't be alarmed 
If you're going through an overwhelming, life-changing, traumatic experience as a man or woman of God, don't be overwhelmed if you feel like you're under attack. Some of those attacks are your bad decisions. Some of those attacks would be there whether or not you serve Jesus. But when you're in the fiery trials, don't be surprised. You say, well, I just don't want to serve God. I won't be a target. It doesn't not make you a target. It just makes you not be able to identify that you are a target. We don't serve God. You say, well, it's just what life is. When you serve God, you know, God intends for me to live life abundantly, to be protected. He's going to go in front of me because I can promise you this. I've lived long enough to know I'd rather be a life full of fiery trials with God than a life without him and without him. Because God in the fiery trials is better than no God at all. And the presence of God in the fiery trials is as sweet as any presence you'll ever experience in your life. It produces something. And that's what the Bible is trying to help us understand. We live our life to avoid the fiery trials and to avoid these things. I like food. Y'all like food. I know y'all like food. We all like food. Y'all are probably still eating from uh, Christmas, right? We've all just kept eating all week. It's, it's been great. We like food. There's nothing wrong with that. But when you're really hungry, like, man, I'm starving. I cannot wait to eat a really good salad. No dressing, no meat, just lettuce. I, that's going to fill me. I'm going to be overwhelmed. I'm going to be so delicious. And some butternut squash soup, right? Like my wife loves that. That's, I, it's not bad. I can't eat it as a meal. You know, I need butternut squash soup. I'm like, yeah, I'm down. Give me that and like a six ounce steak and you know, a side order of cheese fries. What's going to fill you up more? In your life, if you're starving, you haven't eaten in days, so calories don't count. You could have a nice salad with no dressing, hold the croutons, or you could have a steak with cheese fries. Come on, somebody, which one y'all want? A or B, right? <laughs> B, all day. Or like, let's go the dessert route. How many of y'all, you're like, I want dessert, I have a craving and a hankering, and I'm hungry. Because sometimes you eat dessert, you're not hungry, you just want dessert, right? But you're like, I'm crazy, I have a hankering, I want dessert. You're going to say, you know what, I just cannot wait to get my hands on that banana. I wanted a banana or an orange all day. I did, that is my dessert. No, I'm thinking hot chocolate cake filled with hot fudge with ice cream on top covered in some more fudge. That to me is dessert. Y'all want, you really want dessert? You want to go get you a banana or do you want some hot lava cake with some lava, right? And some ice cream. I mean, ice cream and cake is a gift from the Lord. And, and this is what I feel when I, I feel it, you know, I feel it. But this is what happens. Those are biological things. When you eat, it's a biological reaction. There is a biological reaction when you eat, you're going to be full. You're going to be happy. You're going to be able to go kick your feet up and watch your, your sports when you get home or watch your movies. There is a biological reaction. The same is true whenever you have a spiritual reaction. The Bible is telling us, just like there's a biological reaction, this is a spiritual biology. You have a need, and it's the Holy Spirit. And when you fill those things in your life with the Holy Spirit, things take place. You have a need. When you eat, you feel different. That sugar hits. That fullness hits. It hits different when you have that salad with no dressing, no croutons, and a steak with some cheese fries. It's filling. And what the Bible is trying to teach us, we've got to fill our life. We've got to know that the fiery trials are coming. The suffering, it's going to happen no matter who you are or where you're at. But God's going to do something significant in your life. So how do we respond how do we respond? We know there's a cost to following Jesus in, in 2023 and we're sitting here and we're looking at this year and we're thinking, I gotta go back to work. The kids are going back to school. Everything's about ready to, to go hundred miles an hour again. They're starting all these practices. How does this look in our life? I don't know about you, but every year I don't sit there and think, I don't want my year to look like last year. Why? Because I don't, 
I don't like making changes just in January. I like making them in December and November and October and September and August and July. I like making them all of the time so that my life keeps getting better. I don't want to sit at the end of a year and think, I just don't want last year over again. Now, sometimes the trials that we go through, we feel that way and that's okay. But this morning, are you in a position where you're thinking there is fiery trials that have been all around me and I feel like I have been overlooked by God. I feel like he doesn't see my pain. Well, what Peter is telling us is don't be surprised from the fiery trials and the suffering. They're going to happen. We don't have to live our lives trying to avoid them. He's saying live your life confidently knowing that you won't avoid them, but that God's with you. And then his spirit is, he's right there. And he's going to do things in your life that only he can do. And in 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 13, this is how we respond. It says, instead, everybody say instead. Instead of fear, instead of turmoil, instead of anxiety, instead of addictions, instead of lying, instead of missing multiple days at your job because you don't want to go back, instead of moving away from your children as far as you can all the time to keep them out of your hair so you're not getting stressed, instead, be very glad. Everybody say happy. He said, be very glad because these trials make you partners with Christ in his suffering so that you will have the wonderful joy of seeing his glory when it is revealed to all the world. When something bad becomes something good, you'll never hear about a sports team that wins a championship that didn't have blood, sweat, tears and years of development before they got there. It doesn't exist. You're never going to talk to a fighter pilot who just walked in and filled out an application and they gave him a quick direction on how to fly a plane. You're never going to talk to a Navy SEAL who ended up being a Navy SEAL because he just decided one afternoon, that's what I want to do. And there was a small process, a couple minutes. Next thing you know, he's got some, some badges that are really hard to earn. This isn't realistic. Why? Because for everything you do in life, there's going to be a trial. There is going to be a level of suffering to everything that you accomplish. You want to be an Olympian? They, they, there's some suffering. You want to be a school teacher? There's some suffering. You want to be a coach, an educator? There is some suffering. But we don't reach victory until we've understood suffering. You don't reach the place where you get to hold that trophy up and rejoice in the Lord until you've been somewhere. Nobody wants to hear from people who've not suffered. People don't want to hear the stories of victory a lot of times. They want to hear the stories of suffering where they know you understand where, you've, where they've been. You understand what it means to have pain. It doesn't even have to be the same pain, but you understand suffering. This isn't a prophetic message to everybody saying, hey, 2023 is going to be hard, so lock in. No, this is a message I'm hoping encourages you to see. Like 2023, don't live to avoid suffering. Trials are a part of your life, whether or not you want them to be there. And the Bible is telling us that we have a God who is faithful and loving and caring and kind. So this will give us courage to go into this year with goals that we didn't think we could attain last year, with passions for the things of God we didn't think we could have passions for, with permission to dream in ways that we didn't believe we could dream. Why? Because I'm not scared of suffering. I'm not scared of trials. I'm not scared of hiccups along the way. I'm not scared of not having the right answer. I'm not scared of failure. I'm not scared of walking in a straight line and falling off to the left or to the right. I'm not scared scared of this because I know that Christ is with me. The Holy Spirit is, is, is all around me and that you can't follow Jesus without a cost, but there's a declaration you have to make. And it's one of our core values. And it's, it's not about 
us. And when you understand this principle, when you understand this concept as a believer, when you understand this concept as a, somebody who follows Jesus, it changes the way you see your suffering. Because there's something about suffering that draws us to the heart of God. There's something about a trial where we just can't, a trial is anything you can't see your way out of, anything that just seems overwhelming for the moment, something that seems like there's nothing you can do to break free. And it's fiery. It's heavy. It's burdensome. In Mark chapter eight, verse 34, Mark tells us, he says, Jesus called the crowd to him along with his disciples and he said, whoever wants to, to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. What are you spending your time and energy on? Is it the pursuit of God? Because if you want to be my disciple, it's not saying that you can't ask the Lord to forgive you of your sin and submit to him and start following him. What it's saying is if you want to be my disciple, you have to take up your cross, deny yourself, your desires, the position that life has put you in, that some of it's come out of relational equity, some of it's come out of earned things that you've done, you feel like you've earned it, a job, vocation, everything that makes you you, he's saying, deny it and take me. Everything that creates an identity in you. It's not that I don't want that. He's saying, but I have something better that'll help you see in ways you never imagined. Take up, deny yourself, take up your cross. Denying yourself is one of the hardest things you ever do. Taking up your cross is another one, but the hardest one's gonna be after you denied yourself and taken up something that heavy, now you have to follow. But there's a humility in that. And there's a brokenness in this process. See, we are called to do good, even if it means suffering. There's no catch. It's the same concept. God has the same life for you and the same victory and the same overwhelming sense of his presence and the, the same things that you're gonna do and, and, and pour into and talk about. But you're called to do good. Your calling hasn't changed, even if it means you're gonna have to suffer a little bit or suffer a lot. When I was writing this, I was wanting to stop him 15,000 different times. I was like, I don't, I, don't wanna, I, don't, I don't want this. But the reality is suffering isn't a bad thing. Suffering is a great thing because you're doing it with God. And I can promise you in the moments that I've suffered, I have very fond memories of some of the darkest times of my life because the presence of God was so tangible and he was so caring and so loving. And I look back and I realize those times wouldn't have been avoided if I didn't follow God. Those times I was on a course head on with those regardless of whether or not I followed God. But when I went through those times, he was there. I didn't come out of those times with an addiction that I didn't have when I went in. I didn't come out of those times with the marriage that I had and now gone when I went in. I didn't come out of those times with a blank bank account because I spent all my money in trying to heal my wounds. I didn't come out of those times disobedient servant of God saying, I, I, don't, I don't need your help. No, I came out of those times full and overwhelmed by his grace and, 
in love with God, not feeling like, oh, I'm just drained, I need time with God. No, feeling overwhelmed by his spirit, knowing that he has flooded my life and my heart above and beyond anything I could think, ask, or imagine. Moms wouldn't give up their kids when they're 18 because it caused them a lot of pain when they were given birth. So you know what? I would give up my kids that quick because it was so painful. Moms wouldn't say that. They wouldn't say, no, the suffering whenever I had my child was so great. I know he's 18. Great kid. I'll give him up right now just to get out of that suffering. No, it was 18 years ago. No matter how bad the suffering was, the reward outweighs the suffering. The reward is something you get the rest of your life. The suffering was for a time. And in the time, anybody who's been in those rooms, there is nothing more amazing than a birth of a child and more proof that women can take pain in a way no man can. I don't care what you say. I've been in there four times and there is not a man that I've ever met, no, no matter how big and strong, there is no one that can take the pain that I saw my wife endure. Nobody. Don't even care. Don't even attempt to put it in the chat. It doesn't exist. But the moms don't say, oh, I don't, it was just too much suffering 18 years ago. I would take that back if I could. Oh, I have scars on my body that represent childbirth. And because of that, I would give that away tomorrow. If I get my body back and give my kid away, absolutely. No. Why? Because a mother, there's so much there. There's a nurturing. There is a, that life was inside of me. And now that life is a grown man or a grown woman with a, a calling. And uh, they have a taste profile of things that they like. And they have a vision of their life. And they have dreams. And they have victories. And they've had sadness. They're a being with a purpose. And I gave life to that. It's a pride. I gave life to that. God used me to birth a beautiful child. They don't think about the suffering when your child's 18. Because you're rejoicing in the gift. You're rejoicing in the victory. And that's what happens when we go through tough times is we look at the suffering and it becomes the, the entire mode and the entire mood. And God is saying, but you don't see 18 years from now how that is going to be the thing that's going to blossom into something that's going to change your life. You don't see that suffering will be used for good. That the darkness and the things that seem to rip our life apart, I have a purpose in these things and I didn't cause them, but I promise you to use them for the, the good of those who serve me. This is a promise from our Father. But when you quit in the midst of your suffering, you don't get a fresh start. You quit that job or you quit that church or you quit that marriage or you quit that kid or you, you quit that thing, whatever, you fill in a blank and you go to the next thing, all you do is you pick up at the next place where you left off here. It's just, it takes a while for them to know how bad you're hurt. The suffering just picks up. Well, I got divorced, I don't care anymore. Well, now you're over here and these people do care about you. They know you well enough and it's a couple years later and you're finding that pain is just coming back again. You're talking about parts of your life you'd rather leave tucked behind. Because the Bible is saying, hey, li listen, it's not about, this isn't even, all of us who, uh, maybe you're suffering today. Maybe it's, maybe it's been a lot harder break than what we thought. But I really want this to be an encouragement to say, listen, let's not live a life avoiding the suffering. Let's live a life knowing that everything has its intention. Let's run towards the things of God. Let's not be scared of pain. Let's not be scared of the trials. Let's not be scared of the persecution. Matthew chapter 5, verse 16. It says, in the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. But how does this happen without the good and the bad? Let them see your deeds. Your deeds. 
And I can promise you they're watching the closest. Whenever you're at your lowest, they're going to say, how does he respond to his king now? Because when they can't see God in your situation, but they see God in you while you're in your situation, it changes everything. I love what it says in Galatians. When Paul was writing in the church, he says, I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. He says, the life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the son of God who loved me gave himself for me, Jesus. He's saying, it's not me that lives. It's not me who suffers. These are letters from martyrs to the church. He says, but it's Christ that lives in me, that lives. Because a long time ago, I died to who I was. And I chose to live for my king. It's Christ that lives in me. That's who I choose to serve. Choose in 2023 to let the Christ be what people see. Die to yourself. Choose Jesus. Pick up your cross and follow whatever that looks like. And surrender to what God's doing. How do we do this? You follow in his steps. That's what scripture tells us. You follow in his steps. And how do we follow in his steps? I think it's important you don't think, you were never asked to be Jesus. You were asked to be like Jesus. Well, how did Jesus do it? Well, you love unconditionally. Regardless of your situation, you love Unconditionally, and this next one's the hardest one for me. Don't retaliate. No, that's I don't have a problem with when people turn their back, I talk. My problem is when people are still looking at me, I talk to their face if I don't like something. I don't have a problem with gossip. I don't want to tell other people what I think about you. I want to tell you to your face. That ain't because I'm spiritual, it's because I want you to say something, right? That's the pride. I've never had a problem with gossip. You can ask anybody who knows me. Brandon talk about people? No. What does he do? He talks to people. Why? Because you got a problem. Let's talk about it. And I'm okay with that. And that's the godly way. But the retaliate is like, oh, you think you're tight. All right. Well, let me tell you something. Right? That's the arrogance, the pride. That's the not dying to self. The other day, I have a good friend. And I was telling him some things I was walking through and some frustrations I had in my life. And uh, some things that were really hard for me, there was tension and I was getting ready to preach. And I said, man, I need you to pray for me because there's some things in my spirit. I do not want to come out in this message. And he said, I believe this is another part of you dying to self. I didn't want to hear it. I didn't like it, but I know it was true. Because y'all didn't want to hear what I wanted to say. You didn't want to hear what, I, what your boy wanted to preach. You didn't hear what your pastor actually had on his heart. Because my responsibility is to share with you God's heart. Don't retaliate. And then I love this one. This is what the Bible tells us to do. And then what Jesus did, it says, if you must suffer, endure patiently. 
So how do I, how, how, how do I follow in his steps? Love unconditionally. Don't retaliate. And if you must suffer, endure it patiently. That means you don't complain. You don't grumble. You don't moan and groan about how much you've done for the Lord and about how you feel like you just get the bad end of the bargain. No, it means patient endurance. Saying, God, I believe that joy is going to come in the morning. I believe you're going to help me through this night. I believe you're going to help me through this moment, Holy Spirit. Oh God, I know you are good and I know that my situation is not, but you are faithful and I will endure patiently. I will submit fully and I will declare that you are my God. You are the king of all kings. You are the great I am. I will endure patiently because you're my king. I will not defile the purity of my suffering with my earthly grievance, but I will surrender and patiently endure because you are my God. That's what, that's what God's asking of us because when it's over, you don't get to do it over. And everybody who saw you suffer saw your Jesus I love how Peter concludes his message. The last section we just read, Peter was addressing slaves. And his whole concept was about slaves. He said, even if it means suffering, slaves, follow them. Do what you got to do. You must submit to your masters with all respect. Do what they tell you. Not only if they're kind and reasonable, but even if they're cruel. I don't like this text. I don't like it. I don't like anything about it. Because in order to understand it, I've got to be dead to myself. I've got to deny who I am. Well, that's my identity, brother. That's what I, No, it isn't. That's the thing is God, Jesus Christ knows your identity. And man, it's beautiful. It's so perfect and, and right. And he wants you to know it. But until you deny yourself, you won't. But he goes on. This is an unjust suffering that that he's asking us to do. Unjust suffering doesn't make sense. We're all about justice. We're all about measuring everything and making it equal. And God is all about equality, but unjust suffering is a part of life. And it's what Peter is saying. You will endure and you do it patiently. And you do it whether or not the person who is over you is right. And he's saying this is a part of the Christian life. It's unjust, but it's what God says. Because even the people that are fighting for the just, it's not working out because it doesn't eliminate the evil. And he's saying, but what we do is respond to evil. How we respond to things in our life. If you're scared of suffering, trust God to make the moments of suffering with him better than any moment without him. And some of you are suffering because you're bitter and the suffering has turned to bitterness. And that's because you're processing from the standpoint of you, not Jesus in you. So we get bitter because we think about how they said that to us or how they they did that to us. But deny yourself know that God has an incredible 2023 and beyond for you. Make this the year of it's not about me. This is the year that I don't peg my year based on how much I suffered and how much I endured and how much I came out on top or how low I am at the beginning. 
your bank account starts out in the millions because you're a child of the most high God. You're a child of the savior, the king of the world. And he is saying, listen, I did everything you're doing. And I always hear the song, anything you can do, I can do better. I can do anything better than you, right? Remember that old Michael Jordan, Mia Hamm commercial back in the day for all of my uh, basketball and soccer lovers. And it, it, the reality was they would just go back and forth. It was like these commercials where people were like outdo each other, Larry Bird, Michael Jordan, all over, right? But the reality is I feel like that every time I hear anything from God, anything you can do, I can do better because he's saying, listen, stop trying to do it on your own. Deny yourself. And let me be the king. Let me be the one. I, I sent my son to die so that you didn't have to do this. So let me be the one who carries the suffering. Let me be the one who takes you. The Bible says there's no shame, no condemnation. Let me be the one who takes you to the place that only I can take you. The one who endures. The one who patiently pushes you to places that only he can. And he will do it. Let this be the year if it's not about me. Let this be the year if it's not about us. I believe it for you. I want to take a moment. I want to pray with those of you that Jesus isn't your savior. Or maybe you're in that process to make a decision. It's the most important and most powerful decision you ever make. It'll change everything. So I'm going to pray. And as I do, I'm going to ask all of us as the Palms family to pray with those praying today this prayer. Let's just pray. Let's say, dear Jesus, I surrender my life. I believe you died and you rose again. And today I surrender. I choose you over any emotion, any pain, any loss, any gain. I choose you in Jesus' name. Now I want to pray over you, Lord. I pray right now. I pray that this will be the year that it's not about us. God, that it's not about our desires. It's not about our, the things that we want. It's not about the things that we think we need, God. But I pray that this is the year where it's all about you and it's about denying who we are so that we can submit to who you are in us. The spirit of God that's living in us. God, I, I don't want to know who Brandon Shank is. I want to know what God created Brandon Shank as. I want to know who God created Brandon Shank to be. I want to know what the details and the DNA of how God made me to fulfill what he's put inside of me. God, I pray that today you would help me be that man. You would help me be that father and that husband and that pastor and that shepherd and that entrepreneur and that coach. God, help me to be the man of God you created Brandon Shank to be, not the man that I see Brandon Shank as. Lord, I pray for every one of us that you would help Palms Church become what you called us to be, that it wouldn't be about us, but it would be about all the people around us, all the needs around us. God, we know that suffering ends when we stop making it about us and we start looking at where other people are suffering because when we look outside of ourselves, we walk in the heads and the feet and, and the eyes and the ears of our king and we realize that there is pain that you've called us to. There is suffering that you've called us to, to walk into, to help others with, that God, you are just and you are faithful and you are righteous and you are worthy. And I ask right now in Jesus' name for you to do in us what only you can. God, you are everything and more that you promised to be. But Lord, we make a declaration. This is the year we make room for you. This is the year that we give you all of the space that you need. Help us to do that today. Help us to make declarations in Jesus' name. I want to challenge you today. This morning, on this morning of January 1st, or maybe you're watching this the second or the third, I want you to make a declaration right now of how you're going to make room for God. I want you to say, this is what I'm going to do every day. This is how I'm going to make more room for God. Maybe it's getting up early, going to bed later. It doesn't matter. I'm going to do a devotion every day. There's version Bible apps. There's tons of resources right into care at palmchurchonline.com. We've got tons of resources we'll share with you. How are you going to make room for God this year? How are you going to create space in your life? What is it you're going to do? Because this is the first step in denying yourself is giving him things that you would use for yourself, for him. This isn't just about a season of fasting. This is about a life change of denying who we are so we can walk in who he is in our life. Wherever you're at, would you stand? 
Will you give God a, a moment where you start right now just saying, God, I want to make room. Can we sing this, Isaiah? Just say, I want to make room for you, God. In my life, I want to make room for you. It's not about us. That's the title of today's message. It's not about us. We're going to make room for God. We're going to make room for him in our life. And we believe that this is take one minute. Can we just make that a declaration this morning on this beautiful January 1st, 2023? Yeah, God, we, we lay down at your feet. Whatever you want, God. We're going to make room. Yes, Lord. Yes, God. We believe it. To do whatever you want to. Do whatever you want to. Thank you so much for joining with us today. Hey, if you want to know more about Palms Church or just know what's going on or watch messages, you can go to palmschurchonline.com all the time. And today, if you want to partner with us in giving, you can go to palmschurchonline.com slash give to partner with us financially. We love you. We believe in you. And we are so grateful to have you a part of the family. See you soon.